Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Houston Exercise Science. This episode is part two of two of muscle physiology. I thought I had a lot more information over muscle physiology. I actually don't, so this is actually two of two, and so it's just a two-part here. And we're going to go through this, uh, this stuff just as detailed as usual. So last time we talked about the properties, layers, muscle architecture, as well as sensory receptors, and uh, just a general intro to skeletal muscle. So now, this episode, we're going to move on to fiber types and other topics like uh, muscle uh, microanatomy. So, anyways, that's what we're going to go through. We're definitely going to go through those things and... A lot of this is going to tie in many topics that we have discussed from season one, but I'm going to re-explain a lot of those topics from, from the last season for those that are new or for those that have forgotten some old topics because it's been a while, um, and I understand that. But uh, before we begin, I always like to thank my listeners for supporting me. It really does mean a lot that I'm getting a lot of this information out there so that you can enter the fitness fitness industry or re-enter it with a lot more confidence knowing that this information is scientifically backed and we have um you know we we actually are not using buzzwords or anything like that in this this podcast at all so without further ado let's get into the content because i don't like big intros i like to get right into it as you guys know so the what we left off about to talk about is fiber types. I know I talked about this before, but I'm going to go through it again and hopefully be a little bit more clear than the last time. So for skeletal muscle, there are three types of muscle fiber and each type of fiber, I'm going to describe the properties and get a little bit more detail about what, uh, what each property is for each type. Just like last episode, we were getting detailed. So the three types of fiber as, are as follows. Uh, type 1, type 2A, and type 2X. Or you may have heard type 2B. I was taught that it's X. But either way, there's two types of type 2. Um, so let's start with type 1. So type 1 fibers, these fibers are also known as slow oxidative fiber. Now the reason for the name for for oxida oxidative is the energy pathway it goes down. I remember I talked about this before. So this fiber type uses oxygen in its recipe, so to speak, for creating ATP or energy. ATP is the energy currency of the body. And the reason why this fiber type uses oxygen in its recipe is because it it has a lot of time to produce energy because it's type one is known as slow twitch muscle. And so you're looking at some uh, this muscle fiber being used for low intensity, but long duration exercises or movement. So oxygen makes the oxygen really increases the amount of time it takes to create ATP, but the yield for ATP at the end of this recipe is a large amount. So it has a lot of time to create to create ATP, so it's going to use oxygen in that entire recipe. 
is, is pretty much why it does that. So that's where oxidative comes in for type 1. So it's also known as slow twitch muscle, which you may have heard of more than the other uh, term. And the force it produces is small because let's say you're walking or jogging. It doesn't really require a large amount of force, but it does require a lot of time. So force production is small, but it is uh, has a high resistance to fatigue, so it doesn't get tired that easily. Capillary supply is high, and capillary supply basically is blood supply. So the supply is really high because it needs the oxygen, so it's going to get it via blood. So it has a lot of that supply. Uh, so capillary supply and density is big there. And because of this capillary density, the color of this muscle is dark in appearance. All right. So let's move on to type 2X fibers, which are known as fast twitch muscle. And for this muscle, it does not use oxygen in its recipe because it doesn't have the time to do so. This muscle is used, or muscle fiber rather, is used to create a huge amount of force, but not a lot of time is going to be, or it's going to be a low duration because you're going to be tiring out fast. So it needs to create ATP quickly, and oxygen slows down that process significantly, so it has to exclude it so in, for the sake of time. So by excluding it, it's not going to have a lot of capillary density or supply, but there's a drawback to not using oxygen, which is the production of lactic acid, which I am going to talk about this episode. A lot of people like that topic. I do too. I thought it was my most favorite chapter in school, so I don't blame you guys. So, as we said, the force created by this muscle fiber is large, but the resistance to fatigue is slow, is low rather, meaning it tires easily, which makes sense. If you're going to go bench press and you're going like three for three reps, right, it's not going to take long to get those three reps out. You know, maybe a few seconds is going to take, but it's going to be a lot of hard contraction going on to achieve that three, those three reps, right? So um, that's why you're going to fatigue really fast. Uh, so yes, capillary supply is going to be low uh, because we're skipping oxygen in, in the pathway. And because of that, it's going to look uh, pale in appearance or white in appearance. And the last fiber type is type 2A, which I think I like to call it hybrid or an intermediate type of fiber because it's it's kind of a hybrid of the two. So the twitch speed and force generation is medium. It's in the middle. Resistance to fatigue is a little in the high side, not exactly medium, but a little towards the higher side. Capillary supply and density is also a little bit higher. You will really see this as a um, pink muscle. So in appearance, it'll be pink. A uh, little bit dense, but not too much. Okay, so that's what you're going to be looking at in terms of of the type 2a now the each muscle tends to have a mixture of those fiber types you're not going to have one exclusive exclusively taking over the entire muscle um, 
instead of it, it's going to have a mixture. So the, the proportion of these fiber types depends on the action of the muscle and, and the purpose of the muscle, uh, that the reason why it's there. So in a, like an example is the quadricep. It has 52% of type 1 fiber, so it's kind of 50-50, a rough estimate. Uh, as opposed to the soleus, which is, uh, the soleus is like the calf muscle, it's like around there. Um, it works with the calf muscle. That has 80% of type 1. And also the shape and the size or the length of the muscle also really uh, helps determine the kind of fiber you're going to be seeing. Like for your eye muscle, that helps you blink. Obviously, fast twitch is going to be a huge percentage there because, well, it's got to blink fast, you know, and especially reaction, something coming towards your eye. It's got to close your eye really fast, you know, in order to protect the eye <clears throat> as a reaction or like the twitch, you know, um, reaction. So that's the sort of thing that also determines the proportion of that as well. So as you train and exercise, the use of a certain fiber type will slowly become more dominant than the other. So if you're going to all of a sudden train for long distance running, then that slower twitch muscle fiber will become more dominant and it'll be become, um, it'll pretty much have more domination than the, the, the fast twitch muscle. And I know that some have said that it is. It doesn't actually turn the, the fast twitch to type 1, but it kind of, the type 2 helps the type 1 uh, be more efficient. Um, so there's, there's different studies that are showing, do you actually turn a muscle into the other type, or are you just making one more efficient than the other, just kind of being a supplementary? So um, I have been taught that um, when you train a certain way, that fiber type will be more dominant and it'll be it'll be obvious that you're getting better at let's say long distance running so um so that's not a complete consensus on that yet but um that's where we are right now all right so um this might be a short episode i'm not sure um we're only 10 minutes in uh, like i said i didn't have a lot of content for this so it might be short but you know it's okay we'll, we'll finish this this series up this two-part i guess Series. So let's move on to microanatomy of the muscle. I think this is pretty cool. I got pretty detailed information for you guys, but it can get even more detailed. It could be basically its own like four part series. It gets super detailed. So I'm going to get pretty detailed though. I'm not going to skimp out on, on you guys, but, um, but let's get into what microanatomy of the muscle that we're talking about, which is muscle contraction and what what's going on in the microscopic level uh, when it comes to muscle contractions. So the skeletal muscle has a distinctive banding look or, or appearance to them and this is because of two contractile proteins called myosin and actin. And myosin is the thick filament and actin is the thin filament arranged in a repeating units called Sarcomere, which I told you we we're going to get back to in the previous episode. Yes, we're back. So sarcomeres are going to be consisted of those two contractile uh, 
proteins. So when you look at it through a microscope, the thick filament is the myosin, and the thinner one that you can barely see is the actin. And so essentially the interaction between these two filaments creates a muscle contraction. And so pretty much what happens is they slide past each other and they, when they slide past each other, these two proteins, then the, the fi uh, muscle fiber will, will start to shorten and contract and then your muscle contracts. And so it's pretty cool to see a good animation of it. it's probably on YouTube where you can look and see like there's these little feet looking things and they, they walk on on each other and pretty much like do this walking motion to slide past each other it's, it's pretty cool and so there's a lot of things that are required for this walking or sliding to happen which is of course atp and also you'll have calcium you'll have sodium you have potassium all these different chemicals and so calcium is released by something called the sarcoplasmic reticulum which releases calcium because there's something called a motor neuron, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's like it's a neuron that's coming from the brain and it is um, going to interact with, uh, with the muscle. So that's where the motor comes from. And so it's going to stimulate this, this thing, this sarcoplasmic reticulum, and it's going to re release calcium, which essentially causes a muscle contraction. Now, there's a lot more to that whole interaction, <laughs> but essentially that's the biggest thing to take away from, from that. So when you want to move that neuron, that idea is going to go to down the neuron and to the motor neuron is going to stimulate that little sarcoplasmic reticulum to release calcium and to start the whole muscle contraction, uh, muscle contraction steps. So you just wanting to get up out of a chair, that whole idea of, hey, I want to get up, that's how it starts. It's very fast, it's milliseconds that, that this occurs. Now, everyone's favorite thing is lactic acid, so I'm going to talk about that and how this all interacts. So lactic acid uh, builds up because of overexertion of muscle, especially type 2 fibers, because we said that it doesn't use oxygen in its recipe, so it's going to as a as a consequence oxygen is not going to be pairing off protons and electrons and so it's going to create this byproduct called lactic acid or lactate and so this buildup of lactic acid is going to effectively neutralize the calcium the potassium the sodium so pretty much lactic acid is going to be like hey i have a le extra electrons does anybody have extra protons? And the calcium's like, yeah, I got two here, but this is not for you. And lactic acid's like, that's too bad, it's mine. And then they'll pair off, basically. And they'll do that to other things. And it neutralizes the entire steps. So calcium being one of the first steps, it's going to be neutralized by this whole chemical, natural chemical reaction that occurs. And then the steps stop. And then what happens is your muscle is not going to be able to contract and you're going to experience what you probably know as failure. So muscle, muscle, muscle failure, like I'm going to do this bicep curl to failure. Well, you're basically going to produce enough lactic acid to stop the contraction from even being able to happen because of that. 
and lactic acid will build up in your muscle. And since we said acid, that burning sensation, you feel the burn, that's lactic acid. That's why that's happening. You're building that up. So when you feel the burn, you might start to fatigue and fail. You're, you're not going to be able to contract the muscle because lactic acid starting to pair off with all these elements and stopping you from being able to contract. So it's pretty cool. Um, and that's exactly what happens. So there is a, a way, oh, there's a way for you to combat this, which is, well, keep on working out. You keep on working out or keep on training, you'll become more uh, athletic and, and you'll be more efficient or your whole body will. And one of those things is being able to remove the lactic acid from your muscle or out of the muscle, right? So it's going to do that because you're going to also maybe be able to build up uh, capillary density. So you'll be able to exchange things. You'll be able to remove things faster as well. And so once lactic acid is moved out of the muscle, it, it is transported to the liver where it's converted to a usable substance called pyruvate which helps basically create ATP. And from doing that, more lactic acid is a byproduct converted to pyruvate, more lactic acid, and there's this cycle called the Cori cycle. That's what that's called. So if you want to look it up, it's spelled C-O-R-I, Cori cycle. And so that's what the Cori cycle is, okay? So that's pretty much what happens in the inside the muscle in the microscopic level there's even more detail like the z line and there, there these lines are even labeled and then you have all of these things being released and the, these chemical reactions occurring but pretty much that's why lactic acid gives makes you fatigue is it's pairing off its electrons to all these extra protons especially the calcium has like two extra ones it's it's denoted two plus if you write it out and that two plus will be paired off, which it should not be paired off by lactic acid. But unfortunately, it is when it starts to build up. That two plus is meant for something else. That's supposed to complete the muscle contraction for to be uh, completed. So anyways, that's really all I have for the rundown on skeletal muscle. But the next few episodes, I'm going to be discussing a very important kind of muscle, which is the cardiac muscle, right? The heart, because this is the biggest thing when you're working out. Anybody that's working out, whether it's lifting or running or anything swimming, of course, your heart's racing, right? So how is it that this muscle doesn't fatigue? How is it that this muscle doesn't build up lactic acid and you don't feel the burn? Now, if you have heartburn, it's because you ate too much that's not that's not the same heartburn is not because your muscle is burning um, in your heart um, but how is it that that is able to happen right because they're very similar in certain ways they're both striated they both are you know striped appearance like the skeletal muscle but there's a lot of different different uh, key differences let's just say um, for this muscle than the other. So we're going to be discussing that in the next episodes. Again, I don't know how many episodes I'll break that up into. It could be two just like this one, or it could be a ton. I do have a lot of content on that, so we'll see. But anyways, that's really all I have for you guys today. So thank you for listening and, uh, and everything, all the support, and I will see you guys next time.